I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We may have had uh, very heavy rain outdoors, but uh, inside in the polytunnel, after some pretty warm conditions a few days ago, it needs uh, a bit of water in here. It's a pity podcasts are not uh, smelly sound, because I've got in the polytunnel now a range of different colours of column stocks. Oh, I do love those. Quite a lot of doubles and some singles too. They're a strain called Cats, coming from the States. And they bear the name of the man that bred them. There is no better of Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited, Pershaw, Worcestershire. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries on the way. Last week I told you we had some glorious weather with temperatures 110 degrees Fahrenheit in the Hydor greenhouses. Unfortunately, I like the heat. But it wasn't to last torrential rain for two days over the weekend goodness it turned sweet pea flowers to mush branches of roses with open flowers were weighed down with water and to uh, make matters worse was a really cold wind the forecast looks better over the next few days and at least i'll be spared the three hours a day that uh, was uh, needed to keep plants watered outside. But, uh, as I said earlier, need to keep on with the watering undercover where plants uh, do sop it up. It's difficult to get things done uh, when you have that heavy rain and when it's muddy underfoot, really it's better just to keep off and wait for some uh, drying conditions. Wet soil will help us get the van load of uh, summer flowering novelties that were delivered by Tim Johns after his cicada trials at Pershaw last week. We have a whole lot of the cicada novelties, including three new colours of Pachoa, that's a Petunia Calibricoa cross, called Beauty Cow, uh, to plant. And there are some really eye-catching colours. They are a brilliant summer flowering bedding, weather resistant, just repeat flower and get bigger and bigger pretty well to Christmas. 
and the modern fibrous rooting begonias just get bigger and bigger. I mean, first of all, there was Mr. Big from Benari, and then Megawatt was introduced from Pan American, and now uh, the Viking series from Sakata. I'll have to look out some uh, extra-large pots for Viking Explorer. That's a really strong grower, but with a bit more of a lax habit, so uh, it should be um, semi-pendular, I think, the best description, you know, arching out over the pot sides, and it looks to me as if they'll make monster plants by the autumn, perhaps beating uh, Cicada's other exciting novelty, Sun Patians, and uh, here again they've increased the colour range. What's new? Well, it isn't just Sakata. The Horticultural Trades Association held their virtual plant show this week with uh, over 60 new plants introduced. Pride of place and uh, top prize went to Allium lavender bubbles. It's a herbaceous plant which just keeps on flowering. Uh, we're growing several and hope to have them at... Uh, Chelsea in September. Actually, as I sit here, I've got a pot in front of me. They're just starting to flower. I'm dithering because I think it might be worth taking the flowers off one of the plants just to uh, be sure they keep repeat flowering right through to September. But goodness, just this one plant in uh, what is it, a three and a half litre pot with I would think uh, 40 flowers coming out. I think that's uh, going to be a winner, not just for the HTA uh, virtual plant show, but also in gardens in coming years. Following on from our Rudbeckia trial last year, there are six new Rudbeckia Enchanted series introduced onto garden centres this summer. And here again we have uh, plants on trial in Floral Fantasia, but have yet to see them come into flower. On the home front, uh, I've been planting sweet corn, and I have three plants each of two new sweet corn cultivars bred for patio pots, and I'll be very interested to see how they fare. The first garden peas have been picked from a raised box made from recycled pallet wood, and the next crop to follow them will be a sowing of French beans. You know, June is uh, still a reasonable time to be sowing French beans and I'll also make a second sowing of runner beans and that ensures a succession of pods well into the autumn. I'm very pleased to welcome our guest for interview today, Gary Coward-Williams. Now, he's my boss, so I have to be uh, a bit careful. He is... (laughs) Editor of Amateur Gardening, a very popular weekly magazine. Now, Gary, you have considerable experience on magazines, monthlies and weeklies, but are a relatively recent arrival at Amateur Gardening over its 137 years, I think, of existence. Could I ask, are gardening readers different to uh, other magazine readers? Yes, Peter, they are, I think. I mean, I've got quite unique experience in weeklies in that I've edited four weeklies that were all launched in the Victorian period. Uh, amateur photographer, uh, Cajun Avery Birds, and The Shooting Times. And all of those readerships are very, very different. 
I think what I've found particularly interesting about the amateur gardening audience, and I think this is about gardening itself, is that they're a very friendly and by and large happy bunch. Some of the other specialist titles that I've worked for or worked with, sometimes those those kind of uh, pastimes are fraught with all kinds of frustrations and, and problems. And whilst gardening has many problems, I think that the, the simple process of doing it seems to make people happier. So it's actually a, a very nice, friendly audience, and I've, I've kind of really enjoyed that. And, and for the most part, they seem extremely happy with the magazine, whereas I've not always been used to having happy congratulatory uh, uh, letters in my previous posts. <laughs> uh, yes, previous magazines were a bit like the receptionist at the garage, eh? <laughs> Unpleasant complaints coming one after the other. Whereas, of course, gardeners like to share their experiences, uh, especially the good experiences. Yeah, I think it's good and bad. I think that um, one of the things I pick up is, I mean, you know, talking to you and your extraordinary experience and knowledgeable gardener. Um, and the message I've always got since I've come in, and I've, it's actually four years I've been editor of Amateur Gardening, I think last uh, May, May just gone, um, is that it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. Nobody is an absolute expert. And so we're all going through this journey uh, with varying degrees of knowledge. And of course, circumstances are constantly changing. So to have an arena where you can share your experiences and constantly learn, I think is very important. So it's a very, very giving kind of nurturing world that we're in because that's kind of what gardeners do. Now, at present, you have um, a bit of a theme going on the advice to gardeners on uh, potting compost bags. I mean, that's a pretty um, much debated subject to present as we move across from peat-based to peat-free composts. Now, what's your worries there? Uh, well, I, I mean, just to, to give us a little story, I suppose, uh, as, as you were saying, Peter, I'm fairly new to uh, the gardening world and I've been going through my own journey. And part of that journey is, I think, for all gardeners, there are certain plants and, and varieties that you particularly enjoy growing. And for me, it's been potatoes. And I've been on a, a potato journey for the last uh, four years, which um, <laughs> culminated in a, a, a fabulous series of crops last year with, with container potatoes. And so, but this year I decided to uh, plant out a border with potatoes, which I hadn't done before. And I ended up with a number of seed potatoes left. And I thought, well, I'll have to put these in containers. There's nowhere else for them to go. And then whilst doing that, I thought, well, actually, why don't I have six containers with peat compost and six containers with peat free and see what happens. Now, this can't be a scientific test. I'm not a horticultural expert. Actually, what I'm doing is what a reader would do. It's what a normal gardening person would do to try and understand what the differences would be for them, for their gardening. And after about three weeks, I noticed that the peat free compost had, was retaining less moisture than the peat compost. And so then I went back to the, 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 the packaging with the peat free to see, well, okay, what is it telling me about what I need to do that's different from using peat? And then this is where the penny dropped. And I realized that there is nothing on peat free packaging to actually tell you what you need to do that's any different to what you would do with peat. And I think this is quite important because actually when the, the consumer who is now looking to make that change for whatever reason they wish to make it, that they, they'll buy peat-free 
And actually, what they really need to know is, well, is there anything different they need to do? And the packaging isn't telling them that. And I'm with you 100%. I've been using, obviously, peat-based compost and peat-free compost for over 40 years. And they certainly do need different watering regimes. Uh, Peat is a remarkable holder of water. You know, it will hold, I think, 12 times its own volume in water, something like that. But other materials, particularly things like composted bark, the water runs through them and getting them really soaked is quite difficult. And the problem that I face is that as we make the change, manufacturers have to keep using different materials. And so even if you buy a set brand, those ingredients can change. I think the concern for me is, certainly with the brand that I was using, that when I looked at the back of the packet, it was just full of slogans. You know, it, it almost these sort of, sort of slogans that were about their special formulations and how, you know, uh, or what was in them and everything. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that's fine. It's got this in it and it's got that in it. But I don't really know what that really means. They weren't specific about what the formulations were. And so it felt like the back of the bag was being used for advertising and promotional purposes rather than informational purposes. I did go into other bags in the market. I went into the garden centre close to me. They had a fantastic range of peat-free there. And again, all the other bags, you know, varying degrees of information on them. But not one single one said, if you're used to using peat compost, this is what you need to do to get an equal effect. And that is all they need to say, but none of them are saying it. And I think this is extremely important for the market. And it's something that we, as Amateur Gardening Magazine, will be working on to uh, explain to our audience. And our news editor, Ruth Hayes, will be talking to all the major manufacturers to ask them that question, because it's an answer that isn't coming across on their packaging. I look forward to reading those columns and particularly the responses. Your readers are pretty vocal, aren't they? They'll let you know. Yes, they will. And and I think that there's been a lot of, dare I say, sort of one-sided comment by, you know, various television commentators about Pete Free that have kind of perhaps given people a rather skewed position on Pete. So there is a lot of passion out there to use Pete Free. And I think that uh, the the producers have a duty of care to make this work and to give that information on the packaging, which they're not doing at the moment. So, yeah, I think it's very important because, you know, if if it's the case that by 2024 um, we're going to have to use it whether we want to or not, um, you know, we need to know how to use it. Otherwise, it's really going to affect people's gardening. One of the demands, Gary, of of a weekly magazine, I mean, there are a number of monthly magazines where the approach is quite different, isn't it? They sort of work almost a year ahead. You've got to be much more reactive to things. I think that the glosses have a very different kind of audience and very different audience needs. With us, we're a a weekly gardening magazine that is really founded on sort of practical hints and tips and step-by-step. So the front section of the magazine is all practical content, which is done by uh, Ruth Hayes, our gardening editor. And that's all done in her own garden at home. This is what she's doing week by week. And in that sense, we're kind of replicating what the readers are doing. And so that then is like taking them on a journey. 
I think it's one of the things that people like about the weekly frequency that every week the magazine comes through the door, you pick it up, what's Roof up to? Oh, I should be doing that. Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting idea. And then they go out and do it into the garden. In terms of production, yeah, I mean, weeklies, weeklies are really tough, you know, because it is never ending. There's no break. On a, on a monthly magazine, they used to get the, the missing week. You know, once you've gone to press, there was a week where not very much happened and, and people largely went down the pub. But um, <laughs> with a weekly, <laughs> with a weekly it, it's a really tough cycle. And, of course, in modern publishing, we have much smaller teams now than we used to have. Um, when I took over Amateur Gardening, I think it had a staff of eight or so, and there's now four of us. Half. Yeah, it, it's pretty tough. The work hasn't halved, does it? <laughs> it never does, Peter, as you well know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's a it's a the, the weeklies are very special. The relationship with the audience is very different to a monthly because it's something that arrives in your home every week and becomes a part of your life. One of the regular issues that I have is if the if the issue doesn't turn up, they write to me and say, you know, this week's AG hasn't turned up, and then I have to get customer service to send them another copy and of course the seeds. You know, <laughs> well, yes, you mentioned the seeds. I mean, that's a pretty burning topic with Northern Ireland at present, isn't it? Well, unfortunately, yes, Northern and Southern Ireland. So uh, one of the things that the sort of fallout from Brexit it has been and we didn't know this until quite late in the day we have had to stop putting uh, cover mounted seeds on copies going to southern and northern ireland um, essentially as part of the brexit agreement and what happened was we were told that every week we would have to pay for a government inspector to come to an agreed premises and test the seeds before they would be we would be allowed to cover mount them and the costs of that were somewhere between three and five hundred pounds a time, so that would be a cost to us of something in the region of twenty to twenty five thousand pounds a year, which just wasn 't workable. I mean, if you bear in mind that a g is one pound ninety five an issue and you get a free packet of seeds worth usually over two pounds on that you know we're not making lots and lots of money there isn't a lot of elbow room there so um, that caused a, a lot of letters from northern and southern ireland and you know uh, it was very sad I, I i answered all the letters and actually they they took it really well we've had some lovely letters i mean i Southern Ireland, I kind of understand, as we're not in the you know uh, common market anymore. But um, Northern Ireland is a bit tough for me because you know, in my opinion, and and in, in in reality, you know, Northern Ireland is as much a part of Britain as Manchester or Cumbria or Devon. And I think it's and nonsense. there's nothing, Gary, to stop me putting a packet of seed in the post and sending it to a friend or relative in Northern Ireland, to the best of my knowledge. No, and it's a problem for the trade, I understand, as well. I've had a lot of letters saying that, you know, uh, some of the big people who, who sell uh, seeds and plants are not able to send an, or uh, not um, sending to which Northern Which I'm Ireland very interested here because I don't remember seeing anything in the trade press of what our trade associations are doing to support uh, the seed packages in that respect. But to come back to more gentle, homely things, I noticed that in the last few weeks, you have a poem appearing in the reader's letters section. Yeah, going back to this idea of, of the relationship with the audience and, and amateur gardening, I mean, it is the oldest gardening magazine in the world, and it is a unique product. And I'm very proud of the relationship that we have. I mean, we're printing three pages of genuine letters every single week which I think you'd have to look very hard to find another magazine that's capable of doing that. So we did get the odd 
poem uh, every now and again and I would just put them in and I, I had it in my mind for a while to think well maybe there's something in this but I had one of those dry periods where no poems had turned up so I just thought right I quickly wrote a poem myself credited it to my mum <laughs> I didn't realize that you were a poet in hiding <laughs> well I didn't credit it to myself for very good reason, Peter. Um, <laughs> but I credited it to my mum and, and put it in and, and said, you know, this lovely letter from Mary Kelly in, in Ireland, which is my mum. And, uh, you know, if you'd like to send a, a poem in, we'd love to hear from you. And we've actually since had over 60. And what's interesting about them is actually, I, I, some of them are extremely good, but also that they're... You know, they're the obvious thing to some degree, which is that sort of, you know, talking about, you know, romantically about plants and flowers and gardening. But actually, a lot of them are really quite personal about relationships between, you know, husband and wife and about how they garden and, and how they work together, about how people have got through the pandemic through gardening. And it's been a real, I think a lot of it's been a real opening up of their souls and Part of it that I really like is, in a way, the audience has become the artist. Oh, right. Which I think is quite special. Yes, indeed it is. Gary, with the weekly magazine, how do you keep it fresh? Or do you just, after a year or two, just recycle the stuff? Do you know what, Peter? That's a really interesting question because it's yes and no. I think that gardening's constantly evolving. So... Whilst it may seem similar questions and answers that are going through, actually gardening's changing all the time. Having said all of that, one of the benefits of our history of those 137 years is that actually we can bring back great gardening columnists and great gardening content from the past. Just recently, we've had a 10-part series from the late, great Percy Thrower, which we brought back from the early 1970s. And what's fascinating about that is that this was Percy's, I think, top 10 plants for almost any situation. So one week it'll be shrubs and the next week it'll be something else. And those choices that he made are still as relevant today as they were then. The audience can see the longevity and success of some of the plants that they're thinking of buying. So it's, it's a yes and a no. I think it's a mixture of both, and it's about the job that we do to make sure that the mix is correct. Now, I must just fit in, uh, finally, a question about the readers sending in their gardening queries and the great contributor you have that that answers all of those questions, another old grey-haired dinosaur. <laughs> yes, well, of course, you're talking about John Negus, and uh, he's an institution, and what, what a, a lovely man. So John has been answering queries uh, in the magazine for 45 years, <laughs> which is quite something, and he must be the, the longest-serving Q&A person of any magazine i would imagine pretty much anywhere and again this is weekly um so what's remarkable about it is that anybody that sends their query in by email gets it answered by john that very day and in that answer john says that if they would like to talk about it in more detail they are welcome to call him at home in the morning and he gives his own personal telephone number you're joking no Goodness, what a, what a commitment. And I think that's an extraordinary thing, an extraordinary service. We probably don't 
shout about that quite enough. Well, <laughs> Gary, don't work him to death. What? <laughs> Goodness, what? He'll never be off the phone. I think I think John thoroughly enjoys it, and I think that uh, in many ways, it, it you know, it's something that gives him a very good thing to be doing every day. But he's such a lovely man, and he's so upbeat. Uh, we all love to have him when he turns up in the office because he puts a little bit of sunshine into everybody's life. Well, I, I think you've put a little sunshine in our lives today, Gary. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and I hope you won't just see that as uh, stroking your back too much to keep me employed. <laughs> <laughs> there is no better group of pots of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla producing single My tailpiece. A quote Winston Churchill is reported as saying, the secret of success is to stagger from failure to failure without noticeable loss of enthusiasm. I know how he felt as I viewed a hundred scabious caucasus seedlings neatly planted in rows uh, recently that had been thrashed by what looks like two young fox cubs having a whale of a time. Now I have to salvage what I can and build wire netting cages to keep them off. It does dampen your enthusiasm somewhat, but then the cages should uh, have been built at the outset, I suppose. You learn by experience. Have a good week, uh, and I uh, hope you'll find time to join us next week. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited. Pershaw, Worcestershire, to my producer, Rich Jarman, and of course to you for listening. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.